made the perfect choice. Thank you. We had company coming. Uh, they're going to be here this morning. They're in Mississippi. They're in Savannah. They're heading back to Mississippi. They're going to get up early and come. And Morris had called me earlier in the week to do a funeral today at 2 o'clock. I said, no, I can't do a funeral. We have company coming. It was just somebody. I didn't know them. Didn't have a connection. They just called me sometimes. And so the next day he called me about 1 at 4 o'clock. And I said, well, yeah, I can do 1 at 4 o'clock. We can have lunch with our friends, and then maybe they can go to the Carlos Museum at 4 and Emory, and then we can go to dinner. So, and then Carol goes to heaven, and there's a funeral today at 2 o'clock, so I'm glad I didn't do the other 2 o'clock, so I can do this 2 o'clock. And then Mr. Clout died, and his service is at 3 o'clock indicated. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make it or not. You ever need church? You ever need just to get together? This has been one of those Sundays that I've needed. Um, and it is an important part of my life to, and has been in this place for a long time. Uh, we need one another, whether we admit it or not. Um, we need one another. Today, for several weeks ahead, we're going to talk about church growth. Uh, not necessarily just pertaining to this church, but all churches that we are a part of. And God's original design for church growth is found in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. uh, if there was ever a church growth uh, yes. plan that worked, it was the one used by the first century church. And the church exploded. We're going to look at why and what we can learn from that. Before we do that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for each one being. Church means different things to different ones of us. Some of us love it, are as faithful as we can be, and others not here have had their feelings hurt over something all over this land and won't go anymore. Others are excited, others take it for granted. Father, it's your bride, and help us to love your church. Father, we live in a world, and I hear this phrase probably every week, People that don't go, they're spiritual but not religious. Help us to be spiritual in this place. And to be spiritual and contagious for the kingdom of God. Bless us this day as we look at your word. Thank you for each one here. Not a coincidence, but an answer to your divine calling that we're here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you read the book of Acts, and I highly recommend it, go home and do it. And you were to do a side-by-side -side study of that church and ourselves, we would see that we come up way short. But that doesn't discourage me. It challenges me, and I hope it challenges you too, because we have such potential. And when I say we as a church, I do mean this church, but all churches, if they would follow what God says to do. When we read the book of Acts, the record of the early church's history, we see that miracles happened every day. The believers just saw amazing things happen. And one of the points that I read this week that was so amazing to me, and it's important, they didn't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders followed them. And wouldn't you love to be part of something like that? Let's look at what happened. 
Do you remember the number the early church began with? A little trivia. Remember how they began in the book of Acts? The number? Steve Lowe probably knows the number that they had when they did that. Steve's good at this kind of stuff. Acts 1.15 tells us the number that they had. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers together with a crowd number of about 120 people. So largely, the church at Acts, the early church began with 120 people. Let's look at the growth. What happened? Acts 2.41. After several things occurred, Peter preaching and other things, those who welcomed his message, Peter preaching, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. Now, for you mathematicians, that's a pretty good percentage. From 120 to 31.20 in a day. So what and how can that happen? Let's look at five obvious reasons the early church exploded. Number one, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 2, in the first four verses, tell what happened. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, 120 of them. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of the fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. I'd like to have seen that. People argue about exactly what this means, but they all would agree that the Holy Spirit came that day. And Jesus talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit give us ability today? Absolutely. In fact, look what Jesus said in John 14, 12 to 17. Verily, I, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me, if you're a believer, he's talking about you. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these. Greater works than what Jesus did. Because I'm going to the Father, he goes on. I'll do whatever you ask in my name, and that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if in my name you ask for me for anything, I will do. So often, instead of putting God to the test, we give up and quit asking. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'll ask the Father, who will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth that the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. But I love what Jesus said in verse 12. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these. So let's look forward and expect great things from God through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have a study on the Holy Spirit sometimes in the next quarter or so. So God wants to do his part in this partnership. So what's our part? Well, I found four reasons the early church exploded in verse 42 of chapter 2. And we're going to talk about that today. Look what verse 42 says. The early church, they. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. First, let's talk about teaching. It's interesting, you have to remember who's doing the teaching. And in that time, it's the apostles. And to be an apostle, you had to walk with Jesus. You had to be there firsthand and witness what occurred. And so, can you imagine them telling the story? 
Can you imagine them telling the story about feeding of the 5,000 plus when they were there? And they could say, you know, I was sitting in a corner and I was watching these people and you could have heard their stomachs making all of this noise and we didn't know what we were going to. I would have loved to have heard a first-hand account of that. Or they would tell about Jesus raising the dead or touching lepers. They'd have told about the crucifixion and thank God the third day resurrection, the empty tomb. I'd have loved to have been there to, to see the twinkle in their eyes, to hear their voices. The apostles were there and what teachers they had to be. So today all of us need to devote ourselves to teaching. Let me give you a challenge. Read a New Testament book every day. Let Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, not all of them apostles, but let them tell you about Jesus. Colossians 3.16 encourages us. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. With gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. But let God's word work in your lives. Devoting ourselves to teaching also means that we have a teachable spirit. If we come into God's house thinking we know everything, we've got everything together, we're in trouble. But if we devote ourselves to teaching, it means we're hungry. And we must devote ourselves to teaching. There are opportunities every week in this place. If you're not involved in Sunday school, you have great opportunity to be in a Sunday school class. If you want to be part of a Tuesday night study, you saw the bulletin, they're about to start again a week from Tuesday. If you're not with us on Wednesday nights and you can be, you have opportunity there. We have to devote ourselves to teaching. The one that we really like, one that we really like is the next reason the early church exploded is fellowship. The early church devoted themselves to fellowship. They'd hang out together. Parents tell their children, you were told this, I was told this, we told our kids this. Be careful who you hang out with. You told that? Everybody was told, be careful who you hang out with. Our Heavenly Father tells us the same thing. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, look what it says. Don't be mismatched with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship is there between light and darkness? It doesn't mean don't go out into the world. It means be careful who you are closest to. Several years ago, I read a book on fellowship, a youth example of the way that geese travel. You've seen geese fly overhead in a V. The author, scientist, said uplift is 71% greater the way they fly than if they fly alone. The study went on to say that geese, the honking, is meant to encourage. Husbands, this is something you could use. Honking is meant to encourage. Sometimes I'm getting sidetracked here, but sometimes I'm in the garage. And Jeannie and I decide to go somewhere. And so I'm a little faster than she is to get to the vehicle. And sometimes time passes and passes and she hasn't made it to the vehicle yet. And so I honk. To encourage. It's, a, it's like, a, I love you, I love you, and I'm not sure she perceives it in that. Thought I'd give it a shot anyway. But the geese do it to encourage one another. Maybe it doesn't translate to humans very much. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 tells us this. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. The early church was good about that. And of all places, you should be built up and not torn down. We should encourage one another. 
through fellowship. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. And in this day, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. We do that through fellowship. We need fellowship. God made us that way. We need one another. Maybe that's why I wanted to be here so bad this morning. He said it's not good for us to be out of fellowship. Remember in Genesis 2.18, after all of creation, God says, oh, that's good, and that's good, and that's good, and that's good. And the first thing God said, that's not good, is that man is alone. The Lord God said it's not good that man should be alone. That's bad. We are created for fellowship, and it is important that we gather. Another Old Testament verse about fellowship, Ecclesiastes. 4, 9 to 12 is so truthful. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. That third part of Ecclesiastes is hitting at that triple cord is two people and God bringing them together in Christian fellowship. I had a friend call me this week from another state to tell me about a family situation that is like a, a television, uh, a Jerry, I couldn't think of Jerry Springer's name, thank goodness I couldn't. It, it, his family situation would be on that television show. And he's not involved in a church been out of the church for a long time. And I guess I'm his pastor. And he said something that made me real sad. He said, David, I didn't know who else to call. I didn't know who else to call. When you're involved in a fellowship, what happens is you have dozens and then hundreds of people to call. It is so vitally important that you take part in the fellowship. Next, in this might be your favorite. They were devoted to breaking of bread. The early church often ate together. And often that would include the Lord's Supper. And so that moment was not only breaking of bread and fellowship, it became a teaching moment. And they would remember what Jesus did. And many of them were there and saw it. And so those had to be wonderful times together. But there's something special about eating together. You don't eat with people you don't like. You eat with people you like. And that's important in the fellowship. Churches build buildings around eating, don't they? When, when they build fellowship halls, what's it for? It's for eating. You know it. The first rule of church growth in any denomination is right here. Here it comes. The next one. If you feed them, they will come. Isn't that true? If you feed them, they will come. A few weeks ago, has it been about three weeks ago, after church, the varsity food truck was parked at the end of the church. Wasn't that grand? You know, we need to do that more often. Yeah. All right, we woke you up now when we talk about what do you have, what do you have. But it, it's an important thing that happens in church. And it was, it was wonderful. And we have to do that. I started a tradition in Mississippi, in Ackerman, our Thanksgiving meal at that church, and they've done it. I left in 98, and they're still doing it. Uh, the Wednesday before, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, instead of turkey and dressing, they boil shrimp and have fried catfish. And it's the biggest attended event at that church. 
People from all over the community become a Baptist on that night because they want to be there. Uh, and, and it's a wonderful thing to do. Breaking bread is so important. When we did Hanging of the Green here, uh, first part of December, on Wednesday night, we had a meal. And everybody really enjoyed doing that. And people reminded me of the old Wednesday night suppers. Did you grow up in a church with Wednesday night suppers? <coughs> you remember that? It's pretty good. Maybe we will start doing, we will start doing that more often. In 2016, you're going to have a lot more opportunities for fellowship and for breaking of the bread. I promise. One of the reasons it's so important, and I found this story, and I think it speaks to that. There was a pastor traveling with a Brazilian seminary student. And along the way, the pastor asked the student if he would like to stop for a cup of coffee. And the student said, I would be honored. So the pastor swings into a Starbucks, goes to the drive-thru, and starts to drive again, coffee in hand. On their way, the student became very quiet, and the pastor noticed that he was so silent, and he said, what's wrong? And the student said, I thought you were asking me to be your friend. I thought we were going to sit down together and share life. But they didn't. That's why fellowship and breaking of the bread is so important. We live in too much of a hurried world sometimes to sit down, but it's important. And finally, prayers. We've talked about prayer before, and we will talk about it again. But what we need to do for our church and for one another is to pray. James puts it this way, and all of us would understand, in chapter 5, beginning verse 13. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And any one of us committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for another one, one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful. And you know that. And I will challenge you to pray. So pray for your church, for one another, for your pastor. And let's look forward to 2016. So what do we do with this? How do, how do we respond? Well, pray that the Holy Spirit will bless us. Devote yourself to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking the bread, and to prayer. When, when you look at it in that angle, and then you look back at the bulletin, then you see, well, Tuesday night Bible study, that's a chance to be devoted to teaching. The community meal, that's a time to be devoted to fellowship and breaking the bread. Uh, the movie on January the 30th, that's a chance to be fellowship and teaching and breaking the bread. If we pray there, we're going to just do them all. Uh, what a wonderful opportunity. If you look at things like that, we'll be a different God might be calling you to join with this church family. I thought in, in an interview of singing our hymn of invitation, I think it's just as I am. It is. Uh, one of the things that's interesting, we take you just as you are, but you need to take us just as we are too. That's a two-way street, and we look forward to growing together just as we are. Remember my dad saying from this pulpit, we need missionaries, not members. We need people to help us with fellowship 
and breaking of the bread and teaching and praying. So take us just as we are. We'll take you. Let's pray.